Tigerfan.com Rise and Shout podcast episode 425. Get all of your BYU sports news at CougarFan.com. Matt, I made an announcement last week that doesn't seem like much of an announcement. Apparently not. It's not much of an announcement at all. So this is from David Welker. That's at Dave R. Welker on Twitter. He says, I have listened to you on Google Podcasts for quite a while now, and I announced that we were new to Google Podcasts. Yeah. And I look back at the stats. David's not wrong. Or Dave. What's apparently goes What's funny both. about this is that you also botched like making it a big deal when you announced it on the show. I did not botch it. It's it was a terrifically you, you well done piece of podcastery. You did every piece. What are you every piece? Like people clearly knew what I said. Top. I feel like that was probably a little heavy handed. Yeah, yeah. Uh at Spotify, a couple of people have asked how do I find it on Spotify? I don't know. I don't use Spotify. I just know that uh, Podbean tells me it's listed there. So, I don't know. Some Spotify user will have to tell me if they've seen it. I'll go look. I, I've been meaning to download the app and check. But anyway, if you missed it last week and me botching it, you should be able to find us on Amazon through like Alexa. And i got to say that quietly or like eight. Things are going to go. Off I'm having in my trouble house. connecting to the internet. I don't understand what you just said. We have a dot that sometimes falls out of range of the Wi-Fi. That makes sense. You, so they usually you, move when it's so. When it's out of range, it will uh, wait till it hears us talking, and then we'll announce. I'm having trouble connecting to the internet. Sometimes it's like in like late, like it's right as we're going to bed, you know. Yeah. So you turn out all the lights. It's quiet for about ten seconds. I'm having trouble connecting to the internet. That's pretty sweet. Uh, and you That's missed awesome. my huge, my great joke. You didn't even laugh. What was About the joke? Moving out of range, and I said, "Yeah, they often." Oh yeah, they typically move. Yeah, they move around. That was like really funny. Oh wow, this is this is a great opening. I'm glad I we're picked doing, this. Topic. We are really killing it tonight. We're, we're really killing, it. killing it. All right, let's we are jump in. Rare form. Let's jump into the tweet bag. Tweet bag. This is from Spence that at that's at Texas Coog fan on Twitter. You can tweet at us at BYU underscore Rice Shop. Not only should we start a movie club, Spence says, but we should have a monthly hashtag watch party. Movies Anywhere has a new feature where you can link up and watch a movie all at the same time. I'm dying to try it out. And he gives a link to it and then hashtag tweet back. Matt, what do you think about a monthly watch party. It sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. I don't like to plan my life that exactly. I mean... I have a hard enough time planning my life around BYU games. But I, I could get I could get down with doing this a couple, once or twice. You know, or, or just saying we're all going to watch the same movie this week. And then we talk about it in the podcast. Is that what we, we should do, this, do for the bye weeks? I don't know. If we do this movies anywhere gig though, like can we talk to each other like during I think the you movie? can like chat I don't want people talking during the movie? I think you can like there's a chat function, but I won't respond to it because unless it's a movie I've seen. We I'll need to edit that, that out. That was a large Woo! that was a large swig you just Woo! took. Um You okay? Yeah, just a, just a sneeze there, I'll edit that out. Oh, I thought you were drinking no, Dr. Pepper. No, no. All right, here we go. Yeah, I I just, you know, 
If it's a movie I haven't seen, I'm not even going to look at that chat function. I don't want to be bothered. When my wife and I first started dating, first couple times we went to movies, um, during the movie she would she would like lean over and talk to me. And uh, it was like living in an episode of Seinfeld. I was like, ah, I really like this girl, but she talks during movies. In the theater. In the theater, yeah. I, appar- I apparently got over it. So I, I, I am sometimes not the best father, okay? Because we'll be watching TV shows or a movie, and kids, <laughs> as they often do, will turn and ask a question. And I am often caught saying things like, in an exasperated tone, things like, watch the movie. I haven't seen it either. Just be quiet. So I'm... I don't, Why is he doing that? I don't know. I Let's do, find I out. I don't know. Is, is he a bad guy? I, it, it's a mystery I for a reason. Much, I have just as much information as you have. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, That's yeah. not a phrase that children understand. Yeah. I'm, let's just say it's not some of my proudest moments as a father. You're kind uh, of a movie guy. I can see that you would have. I, could get, be a struggle. I, get, into, I get into that. Well, we got another. Uh, movie-related question, and this is from Gary Payne. He emailed us to us. Has he ever emailed the tweet back before? I don't know. Do remember? Some pain mail? Yeah, a little pain mail. He says, and of course you can email us at riseandshoutpod at gmail.com. He says, what's up, spiritual brothers? What's up, Gary? I have to say I'm totally supportive of the sports movie review idea. Adam's wife was totally onto something there. Thank you, Gary. Such a such a kiss up. Instead of some of you like bagging on my wife, that seems a little over the mm. top, guys. Yikes. Um, I was looking forward to touting the strength of lesser known older sports movies, movies like Fast Break, Gabe Kaplan, and Bernard King, if you know who they are. Okay, Gary, stop. No basketball respected NBA fan does not know who Bernard King is. Come on. Do you know who Bernard King is? But you're not an NBA fan. Yeah, he's the guy who played basketball in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're helpful. During that one era. And breaking and breaking away, a young Dennis Quaid. Look him up there, quality old school. I did look up Breaking Away and watch the trailer. Um, that did not sell me, Gary. It's about cycling. <laughs> and coming of I've age. I've seen the trailer for this. And coming of age. You might not have hit the right notes for me personally. Maybe it's a great movie. Regardless, he continues, I would be okay with the pick anyway. My question is, with no fans, will there actually be a home field advantage? Hashtag mailbag. Hashtag pain bag. So, looking forward, at least for the Army and Navy games, there will be no fans in the stadium. It looks like in a few other cases in the games... Um, uh, the BYU home games as well as a couple of others we may be in front of fans. Okay, but in the cases where there's no fans in the stadium, Matt, is there a home field advantage? Uh, I think there is some level of home field advantage just for the familiarity with the facility. Um, you know, weather could be a factor. Um, you know, when you look at sea level and in the mountains, I think all of those things are still uh, still may be in play. I would say it 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 it's reduced drastically, I think. 
Um, yes, I agree with you. There are certain things, familiarity, not having to travel. You got to sleep in a hotel room the night before. But I guess a lot of teams do that for home games anyway. Yeah, I don't know if that part. I don't know that that part's as as disconcerting as you know just the routine of your own locker room and all that stuff, right? In the end, right. Um, home field advantage in most cases is worth a couple of points. It's worth a field goal ish. So we're not talking about all of a sudden this is going to change massively. But in close games, having that crazy crowd on your side, I'd rather have it than not, right? That crowd for sure. cheering you on. For sure, uh, I would I would much rather have it. But they've shown like the, these NBA playoffs. Isn't there something to uh, the, the home the team that's you know air quotes here the home team? None. There's um, none. There's is, nothing. Is performing better? No. So what? No. Not better than they would otherwise. No. The, right, but, people, but are the home teams winning more than the road teams, I guess is my question. Yes, but the home teams get more home games because they're the they're the top seed in that deal. And it's a small sample size. No, there's nothing. Just changing. It's not even your stadium. Just changing who is dressed yeah, in what color. Couldn't that, be stati- couldn't that be statistically interesting if you took, the say, you took the these uh, playoffs or you looked at the baseball records? And you found that the teams were performing better in their own stadium. Yeah, but it would be way it'd be super interesting with the NBA. A little bit less interesting with Major League Baseball because they're actually playing in their own. Yeah, that's stadiums. what I'm saying. With the NBA, yeah. it's the same court. I mean, they're just like digitally printing their name on it. I mean, it's I, like I, I'm telling you, the only analyses I've seen on that are lazy ones, where they go, oh, "Look, the home team is winning more." I, you have to adjust yeah, for well, which teams are the, better. Right. Sample size is small, Sample blah, blah, size blah, is small. actual statistics, blah, blah, blah. I, why would there be an advantage? Like, what would be a reasonable explanation as to why on a neutral court situation playing in front of virtual fans that you'd have an advantage? Because you're well, wearing white. Well, I think the the virtual fans are still equal, right? Correct. They do not give you an advantage. And the NHL yeah, has so seen I, no, but in the NHL, I don't know that there's NHL would be another interesting one to look at. Yeah, uh, they're all playing on this. You know, what are they playing in two different venues? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, all the Eastern teams are East, all the Western teams are West, right? So effectively, right. they're playing in one venue, right? Uh, as far as going against each other until the finals. Yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, I mean, it, I, I just can't imagine there's some advantage. Uh, in football, in in as you pointed out, in baseball, they are playing in their home stadiums. They got familiarity with the dimensions, all that stuff that might give them a bit of an advantage. But in baseball, there's arguably the lowest home field advantage in most cases. Coors Field being an exception, and a few others. But in the end, like the crowd doesn't make as much of a difference in baseball, right, as it does in football. What's, well, what's fascinating about, say, crowds in baseball is, and I've always, you know, I, I found this interesting, and I think there's a section of this, it might be in Moneyball, it's in one of those books that came out around that same period of time, where they talked about how, you know, you got a pitcher on the mound, bottom of the ninth, or extra innings, and he's got to get this one strike on a guy to win a playoff game, and the crowd is just at a fever pitch, and it's like, that's not helping the pitcher or the batter. No, it's just, right? like it's just you're breaking, noise. You're breaking everyone's concentration theoretically, or or it's or they're able to tune it out. But 
they're what if they can't tune it out it's it could it would impact both the home and away team equally well ask cub fans about the bartman game how much do they think Cofield helped them right uh, fans had an impact on that game well i so, <laughs> so i rewatched that recently cuz it was like i don't know there was something and Alou jumps up there to get it. I don't know if he would have got the ball or not, but he had a shot, right? And it's hard to tell sure. with those camera angles for sure if he could have caught it, right? We'll never know. But again, I, I just certain sports and Vegas will back this up. Statistical analysis will back it up. In, in football, it means something. In baseball, it depends. In basketball, it means something, right? Uh, in hockey, it depends. Um, you know, they've gone through and done these analyses and it's home field advantage is fascinating because we treat it as equal, but we know it's not right. I mean, at least we believe it's not, I should say. Like, does anybody believe that the home field advantage of going into Vanderbilt or going into Tennessee is the same? Even if the venues were sold out? Yeah, I don't know. What about Wisconsin... Versus Purdue. We've both attended games in both places. I would say Wisconsin, in theory, should have a better home field advantage by the fact their their crowd is just nuts and into the game. Notre Dame, right? right? I don't know if that stuff actually matters, though, right? It's just hard to tease that stuff out. Because Vanderbilt, you know, they don't have a home field advantage because typically they're terrible, right? <laughs> and if you're terrible... Uh, a slight advantage is useless. Anyway, all right, interesting. Well, but what's interesting about say what the NBA and the WNBA are both doing is they're trying with the piped-in sound. They are trying to give it the 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 feel of whoever the home team is, right? So the announcer for the home team, like when somebody scores, you know, says their name, like, and then the other the other team, it's very vanilla, right? Um, and and it, it and they're trying to you know, bring in the, the, the noises, the music, the, the chants or whatever that happened in each of those home arenas. Now, does that, does that really create an advantage? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I think we'd need more, the we'd ant- need more data. The answer is no. I mean, I, I'm just gonna, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's irrelevant what they're doing. They're doing it as a PR stunt more than a, make it even because when you if you've read interviews with the NBA players with the NHL players who are in these environments and they're doing a little bit in major league baseball parks too everybody says it is actually kind of distracting because it's weird it's, be eerie. it's super eerie right well I it's mean- not it's not real it's not organic right they're used to playing at that highest level where the noise is organic right and it's loud like the a jazz home playoff game, right? Super loud, right? The NHL, there's a couple of stadiums that are famous for just how nuts, you know, Nashville, I think, and others, where they're just nuts, right? And instead they're piping in, yay, ah, you know? And and in, it just drives me a little nuts watching the NHL uh, playoffs where somebody does a big hit and there's no change in the crowd noise when regardless of the the uh you know the stadium p- 
people would, those big hits in the NHL, there would be noise, right? Regardless of who was playing. And I've, a couple of players have said they don't know if they got a good hit or not. Like sometimes you judged how well you hit the guy based on the crowd reaction, right? And then they'd show it on the replay and the crowd would react again, right? And you'd be like, okay, I nailed that guy. But sometimes, you know, you hit him and you're not 100% sure if you got them all, right? And so I've heard a couple of NHL guys say, I'm not actually sure how well I did, right? And Tuka Rask, who then left the Bruins uh, to be with his family, he was one of the only ones, and people are not going on record, but there's some off-record comments that it's eerie. It's weird, right? Um, well, so yeah, I, I mean, there's an there's an article on, in the Bleach Report where a player uses the word eerie to describe yeah. it. Yeah, it's weird. Um, and and I found the and I found the number during the regular season portion of playing in the bubble. The home team won fifty fifty six percent of the time, right? So that's an eighty eight game schedule. I don't know that fifty six percent really becomes statistically significant with a sample like that. I, I don't. You can't. I don't think you can draw a conclusion from that. I mean, that's almost no. split. No, that's. I bet you statistically what they're saying, what you'd say is it's it doesn't mean anything. But anyway, all right, enough of that one. Um, Yep. Don, our brother Don at DP Mangum on Twitter says, thoughts on this quote from Dan Patrick from source. If conference can pass updated safety measures and procedures, Big Ten targeting October 10 to start the football season. Matt, your thoughts. The, this Big Ten thing's all over the map. It's all over the place, right? Like politicians are getting involved and saying they've convinced the big 10 to start playing. And then you've got, you've got officials from schools who are saying, no, like the vote is still overwhelmingly in favor of not playing. And then you've got people like Dan Patrick is reporting. Hey, I have somebody telling me that they're targeting this October 10th to start the football season. But the piece of what he's saying that I think is key is if the conference can pass updated safety measures and procedures, which means there are people who, there are people who have a vote who still need to be convinced around these safety measures and procedures before the Big Ten can can move forward with this plan. But if they can come up with a way to start in October, now you're competing with everybody else. We talked about this last week, right? Like, what's the advantage of, why would you, what's the incentive to play in the spring? If you're the Big Ten you and you're going to play football this year, you want to get it done so you can so you can try to get yourself into the playoff and into some bowl games. Yeah, If yeah, you start on sure. October 10th, I think you can still do that. October 10th works. It's not ideal probably for them, but you can get your eight conference eight-team conference schedule in, right? Uh, I think Dan Patrick is just flat-out wrong, and here's why. The updated safety measures and procedures are irrelevant. I can't imagine they didn't have good ones before. And, and, and what's changed in three or four weeks? Like, Nothing. What have we learned about safety measures in the Nothing. last three weeks? Nothing. It's all about whether, whether they can convince enough university presidents – not athletic directors and coaches who pretty much all want to play, to to reverse course and do it in the fall. And I don't see any legitimate report out there claiming that. They're all saying, oh, the athletic directors and the coaches have a plan. I don't care. Until somebody tells me that three or four of these university presidents have changed their mind. Now, yes, could... New safety procedures potentially do that, I guess. But I, to your point, what what has changed in the last three weeks? Do we have you know, some new some fundamental of these, understanding of the virus? 
or or if some of, in some of these places, you know, the numbers had significantly changed in the past month, that might make a university president more comfortable with doing something. But right now, if you're a university president and and you've got students who've just shown up in campus in the last week or so, that's your your number one concern is what dorms have been quarantined and fl- and which floors in those buildings are locked down, or are are we or like are are or, or or have we been able to mitigate? that risk that's that's your number one that that's eating up all of your time right now yeah so and, to and, sit yeah. down and rehash this conversation again i think you'd be hard pressed to do so unless something has either statistically changed or like you like we said before something with the safety measures and i you know in some of these places it's statistically gotten worse yeah I, that's so why I, I, yeah. I just think it, it's just tough so so i have a friend whose uh child goes to a big 12 school Someone at their fraternity tested positive for COVID-19 after arriving on campus. Classes had not begun. This The fraternity had set up a hotel room or apartment or something where they were going to send quarantined folks. Okay, So they communicate this all to the university. The university comes back to them and says, doesn't matter. They were in that frat house. Everybody has to quarantine. Uh, so the entire frat house is quarantined for 14 days. In the frat house. In the frat house. This is a movie. This is going to be a or, movie, right? Or they can go home. And it's, not a, and it's not a drama. It's not a drama. Or they can go home, right, for that time period and come back, whatever. They don't actually have to stay in the, in the, in the frat house. And actually, I found out from somebody else who has a daughter on that same campus that their daughter, the same thing happened to their sorority, same school, and she elected to come home and quarantine at home instead of do it on campus. So all I'm saying is I'm agreeing with you that these university presidents presidents have a laundry list of things. Now, the thing that might bring them back to the table is money, right? If I honestly believe the biggest thing is if somebody tells them, listen, we can gain, you know all these shortfalls we're having? If we do it in the fall and go to the college football playoff and do all those things, we may be able to bridge significantly bridge that gap versus doing it in the spring. And guys, it's getting worse, right? And that to me is maybe something, or to your point, something fundamentally changes, which I'm not saying. But anyway. Or... You know, or or I think that uh, you know they may look at it if they're able to look each other in the eye and say, "Look, when we got together and voted on this before, we thought we were at the tip of the spear and we were going to be the first domino to fall." That's clearly not the case, right? Like the rest, the rest of the conferences did not follow us through that door. So, what we thought we were going to get in a season played later in the school year is no longer there. So does that change our calculus? Which kind of comes back to the point you just It made. can't. It right? can't. If you thought all of the conference were going to play if you thought all of the conferences were going to play in the spring, you might make one decision. No, it can't though. But that's clearly no longer happening. It no, can't. I don't think they, you they, they, they can't, can't come out and say that, that publicly. They can't say that. They but can't they're say public that, but universities. they certainly can do it. If any of them email that to each other, it's public record. A single no It'll way get they can't do and it. And Matt Brown will put it in his newsletter. I, they I get can't, you. They can't. They can't say it was all about the safety of the student athletes, and then three weeks later say, 
Surprise! Here we go. I, I hear you. They're not going to do it. The Pac-12 is not. They can't publicly say that. But can they? Can they think it? Can they have that conversation? Can they, they can, change their mind because they, of that? They yeah, can, I think that they can. But if you're the Big Ten, what what changes for you to make that call? Right in the end, you're, you've got to come up with a legitimate reason to come back and do that. And the Pac-12 is not doing it. There's no way those schools in the Pac-12 are going to turn around and vote for this. So the Big Ten now, in the same way, is going to turn around and be like, now are they the tip of the spear the other way? And no, they're not because the Pac-12 and the MAC and these other things are just going to stay put. And if I were the Big Ten, yeah, but if Ten, you're the Big Ten, you don't you don't care if the Pac-12 stays put. You get in the you want to get in the pool with the SEC and everybody else and make some money right now. You, you don't had, care if the Pac-12 pulls you back in. You had that opportunity before, and you decided not to do it. Yes, maybe they thought they were the tip of the spear. We talked I about that was, last I week. I believe they miscalculated. I believe they miscalculated. Uh, th- sure, yeah, I believe I believe what you're saying is right. But at this point. I just – they'd have to have a reason. They'd have to have a public reason to do it. I believe that the private reason might be money or this tip of the spear thing. But you have to come up with a legitimate public reason to turn things around. And I, if they come out and say, well, our safety protocols are updated, they are going to get hammered in the press. Or they – or they could say, "Look, we've had some yeah. practical experience now because we have some cam- we have students come back on campus. We feel like we're learning about ways to mitigate this threat. Hammered, and as hammered. long as we, and we'll t- we'll revisit this right before no. October first or October tenth. But as of right now, we feel like uh, we've got procedures in place where we feel better about it than we did before we were able to see nope. those procedures in place. Nope, they'll get hammered. I, I they may do all of the things you're saying, and they it will be an absolute freak show." I mean, they will just get hammered because everyone's going to see through the BS, right? No one's going to buy that. Not a single reporter, not a single fan is going to be like, oh, they've learned some things. Now, come on. You elected (laughs) to do it. You know, that's what I'm saying. If they decide to do this, they're also going to have to decide, we're just going to take all this stuff on the chin and we're going to put Warren out there, sacrifice him to the wolves, and then hire a new Big Ten commissioner next year when he quits, right? Uh, because, I mean, they've already sacrificed him to the Wolves, haven't they? Like, Yeah, he's kind of hosed at he's, this point. I mean, I feel a little bad for the guy because in the end it wasn't his call, right? He's he's nope. going out and making this. Anyway, well, we've gone way too long. Well, those are, those are tough jobs. You know, Big Ten commis- commissioner jobs at these conferences, uh, being the head of the NCAA, mostly because the that organization's a, me- a mess. But those are tough jobs for that reason. Yeah, well, whatever. Crimea River is his uh, his retirement will be fine. He'll he'll survive. Yeah, because uh, they'll cut him a big fat check. Yeah, you don't wins. you don't want the you don't want to play with the big boys. Don't take the job. I don't feel bad for those guys. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go take the heat for this for yeah, a year for yeah, whatever they're for paying what he him. Pays. All right. Sure. So let's let's go our do our season preview. We've got some questions about this upcoming season. So we're first going to do our season preview, and then we're going to talk about the Navy game. Okay. All right. So Nicoletto's got a question that's at in Aletto on Twitter. He says, I read that BYU has a 1,000 to 1 chance at winning the college football playoff. Cincinnati has a 100 to 1 odds, and Memphis has 500 to 1. 
Are the Benterongs and the Tigers really better than BYU this year? No. The Benterongs. The Bearcats. It took me a minute looking at that to remember what the actual word was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, like a bear and a cat mated. Right? Like they what? They mated. Bear and a cat. <laughs> Maybe you've heard of this. Benterongs. All right. Um, Cincinnati was pretty good last year. Okay. So maybe, maybe Cincinnati is. Memphis was pretty good last year, weren't they? Uh, yeah, they yeah, were top to 20. Te- they were a top uh, 20 team by S, uh, from Football Outsiders. So, uh, yeah, yeah, the answer is yes, they could be. Now that I've done two seconds of research. Yeah, they could okay, be. Okay, two seconds, two seconds seems to be enough. Yeah. Uh, the answer is they, they probably are, and they have a schedule that if they won through their entire schedule, I think it would be more impressive than ours, right? Because they could win a conference championship, win 10, 11 games, and we're, our best is eight. Right. So, so, yes, I actually think they do have a better chance. I don't know that it's exactly that they have a better team, though. I because I, I, remember these bets aren't about who has the better team; it's who has the better chance to win a championship. All right. His next question: Does the Bushman injury change your outlook for the season? Yes. Uh, yes. We'll get back to that in a second because we're going to talk about uh, who we think leads the team in receiving and your odds for BYU making a New Year's Six Bowl. Super low? Yeah, slim. I mean, right now most like projections have us since like the Las Vegas Bowl or something like that. I, I, I would just love to get a P5 team in a bowl. That, to me, is the goal for this year. A New York 6, New York 6, I always say that. New Year's 6 is not the thing. It's not likely. I don't know. 2%? 5%? 2 2 all right. This is a question from Facebook. This is face. Uh, you can join the conversation at facebook.com slash rise and shout. Glenn Lumen Jr. says, how will BYU use this season to increase depth since it does not count against eligibility? So here's a fascinating question. If you're Matt Bushman, do you come back and play next year or just go to the NFL? I think it depends on what my Achilles feels like in six months. Yeah, what you can um, do in the combine, huh? What do I, what do I think I'm gonna be able to do in the combine? Now, if he thinks he can show up in the combine and look like he did, uh, or even look a, even even maybe a little bit better than he did end of last season, then maybe you give that a go. Um, but, but if he, not, you, you come back. But, but he's but got the option. But his injury at this point in the season, right? I mean, he 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 could come back and play next year either way. Either way, yeah, yeah. But he's got that option. And now, Glenn's got a great question. I hadn't really thought of it this way. This year, you got a fairly weak schedule compared to what we thought we'd have, right? You've got a chance of winning football games for sure. But how much of this year do you use to build depth, right? Well, to see who you've really got on that third line down where they don't play as often and try to build some depth going into next year? Or do you not worry about that at all? 
and just so when we talk about increasing let me let me ask a question when we talk about increasing depth it, it sounds to me like what you're talking about is is using an opportunity to get your two or three deep guys some game experience to develop them and see what you're made of because because when I read this question, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is the number of total scholarships available to Kalani Sataki is not changing. So when when he's, when they show up, you know, when these kids show up for next year that have committed, people coming home from missions, people who are seniors who are going to show up and play next year, he's got he's to gotta figure out a way to make all of that work no, no, alongside they want to stay. There's a one-year – no, no. There's a one-year – deal where they get more scholarships for next year. That was part of the NCAA deal on the fall athletes. So they will have more scholarships is my understanding for next year. So so I think what I, I I think what Glenn's saying is you you don't have to worry about redshirting anybody. Right. And it was four games anyway, uh, which is, which was crazy. Right. Because now you can do play four full games and still redshirt. But you don't have to worry about redshirting anybody, right? Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. So they've adjusted the rules so the yeah. teams can carry more members on scholarships. Carry more members on scholarships. So you don't have to worry about redshirting anybody. you know. And, and when you've got a blowout, if you we have a bunch of blowouts, you just play these guys without worrying about that blowing eligibility, right? Um, you know, all these quarterbacks, as we said, it's going to be a logjam next year because – uh, nobody moves up a class, right? It's going to be a bit of a mess. Somebody's going to transfer but, this offseason, I think. But then I would say this. I, I think the way that I would really think about it is, you know, we we take guys and we're turning safeties into linebackers and we're doing some of this stuff where we're moving kids around. They should do a ton of that, especially in these blowout games. Yeah, And yeah. figure out where these guys have the most potential by getting them game time reps at those positions. Yeah, I, um, that's why I think. And you bring football next year already knowing the answer to that question. Yeah, that's and the why guy th- gets a full. Then now somebody gets a full offseason training to be a linebacker versus we're not really sure what we're going to do with him, right? Yeah, I, that's why I think Glenn's question is fascinating. I, I think Satake and staff should think about how can what you know the rules of engagement have changed for one year. Does that change how they think about this season or not? And the answer may be no. They may look at that and go, yeah, I get what you're saying. But in the end, the best way to develop people is to go out and win football games, right? Well, uh, and, and let me be super clear about what, I, about what I'm saying is all of that should be secondary to winning the game. And, and I don't even care if we go 0-4 in the first four games. Your primary objective every game should be to win. It should never be about, oh, let's get the future in the, and get them some reps. Like that should never be the primary focus at any point in the season, in my opinion. I don't know if I totally agree with you, but I mostly agree with you. Like eighty-five percent agree with you. I think if you're zero and four, you're you do both of those things, right? Because if you're on four, that means it's not working. <laughs> so, so I totally agree you with you. Might switch up quarterback or put somebody else in somewhere well, you're, because you're, you're zero and four. You're zero and four at you're least gonna... against. You're, you're gonna right? yeah. So, you're gonna make massive changes probably right, anyway. Sure. Uh, but but yes. that's not about developing players for 2021. That's about trying to figure out how to win now. Yeah, that's really what you're doing in that case. Yeah. So like Nick, Alex Saunders asks about Bushwin. Who do we predict will be the leading receiver? We'll get to that in a second. Alec, uh, Daniel Smith. Uh, he he said last week 
you know, how dare us. And he was quoting Michael Scott from The Office in his exit interview with Toby. Um, and I I should have known the reference. I know that that was the reference. I, I, I don't know. I mean, we should have. We should have known. And yeah, he I'm, asked, I'm is the BYU offense – Sorry, I cut you off. I'm just saying I tried to defend myself, but I'm still disappointed Yeah, that is I didn't the, come up with it. Is the BYU offense doomed without Bushman? And then Drew Hagen, that's at Drew underscore Hagen on, on Twitter, says, with Bushman most likely have a season, what adjustments will BYU have to make? So we'll get to the leading receiver here in a second. What changes on this offense going forward without Bushman? Oh, you don't have somebody who's going to draw a double team in anybody's secondary. And I don't know that you have some anybody that uh, that is proven to be able to draw uh, a, a, an advantageous matchup against a linebacker coming across the middle. I, you just, you lose that whole tool. And so that is going to make that the job that much harder for Zach Wilson and whatever receivers are out on the field at any given time, because there's this target that used to draw a lot of attention from the defense that is now that is now gone. Yeah, I I, told, I agree with you, but I'm going to use a slight counter argument. He was so underutilized the last two years that I'm not sure the impact is as big as we think it is. Now, we have no idea how they were going to feature him this year. Every year he was going to be featured, and he wasn't, right, as the focal point of the offense. So I think it will have a massive impact. Like you said, I don't know if we have a single receiver tight or tight end who will draw double teams this year. I, I don't know if we have a single guy on the roster. They'll have to go out and prove it. And it'll be over time though, because I don't think Navy is going to be scared of any of these guys, right? They're just going to play their straight up defense, whatever it is they've played. Um, but I don't know if it'll be as big as it would have been or not, because I just don't know how they were going to use him this year. If it was, how they've used them the last two years, I mean, it's a big deal, but it's not a massive deal. It's not like he had 80 catches last year, right? He had 47 catches for less than 700 yards and four touchdowns. Heck, they hardly ever used him in the red zone. There were red zone plays where he wasn't even on a field. So uh, I, it's a huge impact. There's no doubt. I mean, that means our top four receivers in both catches and yards from last year are all gone, right? And to me, he was the one linchpin of continuity on that on that receiving group, right? Including the tight ends. Right. Um, now, what what I hope happens here is that we discover that I, Isaac Rex is, uh, is an all-time great. Oh, it'd be right? great. And, and there's no, a couple I mean, other guys too, right? He's right. But, I mean, of... he's the guy who's listed as the number two guy. He was a big time. You know, he was he was recruited by some, you know, coming out of California, basically everybody up up and down the the West Coast Pac-12. Yeah. Um, you know, Bronco went after him. So I, I think that, uh, you know, there's potential here. Maybe we find yeah. out that Isaac Rex is awesome and we're OK. So speaking of the depth chart before we get to our season, actually, I'll save that for the Navy game. Uh, let's stick with the season stuff. So every year we do an over-under on stuff, okay? So we're going to do that again this year, and then we'll come back and revisit it at the end of the year, okay? Zach right. Wilson has been uh, named the starting quarterback. 
which we both thought was the likely result. And yep. let's say Zach Wilson over under 3,500 3, passing yards in an eight-game season. Jeez, yeah, see, I'm going to say under. So is that the right number then? Because that's 437 a game. Let's call it, um, let's call it, let's redo that one. Because I, I agree with you. I should have adjusted that on the eight-game schedule. Uh, last year, we averaged um, passing yards per game. Uh, da, da, da. Let's call it 2,500 yards. In an eight-game season? In an eight-game season with a potential bowl I'm, game. I'm going to take the over at 2,500. All right. We're going to take the over. And twenty-five. I mean, with with this with the number. I mean, how many games did he play in last year? He threw for twenty-four hundred yards. Uh, I don't remember how many starts he had. Right. So I'm gonna go ahead and take the over because I think we're gonna be throwing the ball a lot. Yeah, I think that. I think that makes sense. I think that makes sense. I will also take the over on that. So we both got the over. Uh, 20... so yeah, 2019, that was nine games. Okay. Um, so he'd have to be, it, it, have, it, it it's definitely would be a step up for sure. Um, 20 passing touchdowns. I'm taking the under, but that's close. That's a good line. Last year he had 11. Uh, in I'm nine also, games. I'm also going to take the under. On that, all right. Uh, for the offense, 480 yards per game last year. We averaged 443. Are you taking the over or the under? Over. I am also taking the over, and that mostly has to do with our schedule. Yep. Uh, last year we averaged 4.4 yards per carry. That's uh, total, including sacks. Uh, 4.75 yards per carry in the rushing game. Across the board, huh? Across the board. I'm taking I'm taking the under. I'm going to take the over on that one. Again, schedule related. Uh, I think we're going to have some big rushing games this year, just based on the opponents. All right. Here's the question that was asked by a couple of folks in the tweet bag. Leading receiver for 2020 season. Who you got? I'm going with Romney. Oh, Nanny, I feel like I need to now change my answer. When we say leading receiver, is this by receptions or yards? Receptions. Who has the most receptions? Yeah, I'm I'm going Romney. You're not going Dax Milne? Uh, I actually thought about Dax Milne because if you look at the numbers from 2019, you wouldn't be crazy. You wouldn't be crazy to guess that. Well, no, and quite frankly, but, nothing's but, crazy at this point because you lost the the top four are gone, so the whole board's changing anyway, right, of who catches. Right. Um, leading rusher, and this meaning total yards. Um, 
Uh, Pina Katoa. Man, you don't even like Katoa. I thought you'd pick Algiers, so we're all picking the same answers. This is boring. No, I think he's going to be the back. I think he's going to be the back. I think I think Algier will kind of. I don't want to use the term change of pace or or, or whatever, but, but I think that Katoa to. will be. I think Katoa is going to be the closest thing to a, a, a feature back. I, I don't know that Katoa. I mean, he's no Tyson Williams. I just don't think that he is. Um, and I don't know that they'll feature him quite quite the same way they did before Tyson got hurt. Um, but. Uh, yeah, that, I think he's going. I think Katoa is going to be the guy. Yeah, I think I think he's going to be the guy. Isaac Rex over under forty and a half catches. Under eight game season, you're going to put nice. I gotcha. Over Isaac Rex is going to be the second leading receiver this season behind Romney. So you are so you are betting on Isaac Rex really busting out this year. He busts out, and then we get big, huge stats against some of these not-so-good teams. Um, but here's here's my question. After Isaac Rex, who is it? Which of those other tight ends? Yeah. Oh, I don't does, know. It even, I mean, does it even matter? I, I, no. Is it one I'm going to say it doesn't two matter. Kids? Is it, who is it? I don't, I, they'll have eight to ten catches. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. It's going to be the wide receivers in Rex. So I I I could be totally wrong, but I that's my call, is that it doesn't matter. After Rex, so keep him healthy out there. And by the way, uh, I'll get to my rant here in a second. All right, any BYU running back over seven hundred and fifty yards? Yes or no? No. Negative. I'm gonna also say no. I was close on this one, but I with this short schedule, I don't think so. That'd, that'd be so hard to do, and the, the oh, other thing too is no, it, it wouldn't. No, it, with this schedule, with a short schedule, and these teams, if these games later in the season really become blowouts, you're not going to keep handing the rock to the same guy. No, but not they may this, have they may have 180 back. yards in the first half. It, listen, if you if you had Tyson Williams, the answer would be yes. I would take the yeah, over but, on seven fifty all up and down the field. In the yeah, first yeah. Half. I if give you, you that, had, I don't. But Jamal, I have Tyson Williams, right? You, I don't have. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you had one of those guys, it's not unrealistic. The number isn't unrealistic. The problem is, I, I don't think running will be our strength. I think it's still going to be passing, even without Bushman, and um, you don't have that guy. Um, so, and and hopefully Katoa just proves us wrong and has a or Algier, and they have a monster season. All right, who leads the team in tackles? Last year, it was Kavika Fanoa. Uh, Fanua. Uh, it was the leader in tackles. Who leads the team in tackles this year? Um, let me go back. I got to go over this sheet. Uh, I'm going with uh, Isaiah Kafusi. Dang nabbit. Can you pick something that I'm not doing? Fine. No, I'm going to go that's, Wilgar. That's a really easy pick. Fine, I'm going to go with Did you Wilgar. take Warner? Warner's not a bad boy. Oh, Wilgar. Okay. No, not Warner. Uh, though he wouldn't be a terrible pick either um, with where no, they're going to play. I don't think he – no, he wouldn't be a bad pick. Uh, inter- well, what, are we going to talk about the depth chart and the yeah. different position, like I the just, names of these yeah, positions? Yeah, I just I said we're going to talk about that in the Navy preview. All right, all right, all right. Um, uh, interceptions. 
Last year, the interception leader was... Where is that? Uh, Wilgar with three. I, 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 I'm just going to not pick Wilgar. I'll tell you that right now. It'll be somebody else. Oh, you're not picking Wilgar? I'm going to take Wilgar. Actually, yeah. Yeah, I think I am. I'm going to pick Ayu. Uh, All right. And the Fair sacks enough. leader. Last year, the, the leader in sacks was... A bunch of people with two, right? Yep. Including Gonwalaku. Who, by the way, he's going by Lake again. Yeah, he is. Uh, that would have made my uh, life... By fi- I did finally get the pronunciation right after like two years. Um, who you got? I'm going to... Do you know what I'm going to do? Uh, this one's going to be a fun one. Zach Daw. Cool. I like that call. It's not mine, but I like it. I like that one. Uh, I'm gonna go. Have, go ahead. I I I have decided that uh, I'm I'm gonna buy in on some of what they're doing on defense, and we can talk about this when we get into the to, to the preview of the game. But I'm gonna go ahead and buy in, and I I believe there that some of these guys we've talked about across the defensive line are, are gonna step up and and be players. I'm going to take a slightly unconventional choice because they're not a linebacker defensive end and go with Tonga. I think. He's hungry, he's looking to go to the NFL, and he's going to play against some offensive lines this year that aren't very good. And a double team won't help them in certain cases. But if Daw has a monster year and starts putting pressure on the quarterback, and they have to chip block on the outside for him, you know who that helps a ton? Tonka. Yeah. Right? If your running back is worried about, i got to worry about this edge rusher, and goes out there to worry about Daw and Tonga steamrolls the guard. It's a pretty good day for BYU, for sure. Okay, so game by game this year. Uh, first, let's do the we'll do the Navy preview, and then we'll come back and pick game by game what we think BYU's record is going to be. So, Matt, what what's the key for you on offense with the Navy preview? Um, with the, with Navy where they're at, what what does our team have to do on offense? What does BYU have to well, do? Yeah, you know, what's crazy about this Navy team, right, is you look at their 2018 and 2019 experience, and it was a huge turnaround, one of the best turnarounds I think anybody's seen. I think they won three games in 2018, and then what? Then when what, won 11 games in 2019, and this defense is. This defense only graduated three starters. So I, offensively, we're going to have to be clicking right outside the gate here in order to be successful. And especially losing uh, losing Bushman, you know, and that stuff we've already talked about. What we're going to have to be able to do here is we're going to have to throw the ball over the top. We're going to have to be able to beat people in those 15 to 20 yard, in that 15 to 20 yard passing range. And Zach Wilson's going to have to be accurate on the move with that ball. And in order for that to work, we're going to need somebody like Katoa is going to have to step up and we're going to have to be getting three plus yards of carry in order for that all to work. And it's going to be tough against against an experienced defense that knows how that has gone through this evolution as a team to go through from being pretty terrible one year to to very good in just in in just one offseason. So I, I, I think they've got their work cut out for them there. Yeah, it's, those are all really good points. I, I think you hit on something 
Um, and I'll just emphasize a little bit that's really important, which is running the football. I think if they can run the football effectively against this veteran defense, then um, then they've got a chance to to uh, to win. I I think if you put it all on the arm of Wilson, not that he's not capable. I just think this is a good defense, and I think um, a couple of mistakes will will happen, and that'll just cost them the game because the defense has their um, has their work cut out for them right Um, yeah for for sure sure. and and the the good news about what you're saying is that of the three seniors of the three of the three players that they lost on the defense this last year one was a three-year starter at nose guard yeah yeah so you know you've got two defensive ends who've been there before and a new guy in the middle now is our offensive line are they going to deliver on what we everybody's been talking about and make some holes up the gut you know, and I'm not saying we don't have to rip them for 4.75 yards to carry, which was the line that you set a few minutes ago. No. I think that if we can if we can get three and a half, three to three and a half per carry, that will open up some of this other stuff that we need to do. But if we can't run the ball up the middle, we're going to struggle. I, I agree with you. I think the number's got to be three and a half to four. Uh, but yes, I we're we're on the same page with that. I, I think that's a big thing. The other piece is because of the way their offense works. And because this might be a bit of a ball control game for Navy, um, I think you've got to just this. This is you won't have as many possessions as maybe you'd like, and, and therefore turnovers are more costly in a game like that. Right? The fewer possessions you have, the more turnovers hurt. Right? And so I think yep. Wilson has to be careful, and the running backs and receivers ball security is always paramount. We've talked about that. And then negative plays. Uh, I, I, did we talk about this thing on with the negative plays research that they've done and how basically negative plays are, are the worst thing that can happen to you? And, and it's intuitive, but like your chances of scoring once you've had a negative play drop dramatically, right? And so those negative plays, a, a healthy Wilson, I think who's pretty good at getting away from pressure may be the difference in the game too, right? Avoiding some sacks and getting, you know, either completed pass and incomplete pass or running for some yards could be the difference in this game. Uh, on defense, Matt, right. this is a weird off. This is a weird offense we're playing. And you want to talk about the depth chart now, the weird, you know, they've got like 14 defensive positions listed in the two deep. Uh, last I checked, <laughs> you still can only have eleven guys on the field. Um, and was it was it Jeff Johnston who was who started the Twitter poll to rename some of the positions? And I think the poll, I think his poll uh, yielded a position called the Spicy Boy. Um, he just, you know, he had a little bit of fun with it. But yeah, I mean, this is uh, it's very interesting uh, what what they put out here with this, with this, uh, depth chart. But I'll be honest when I saw it and I first read it, I got, I got a little bit of a chill. You know, we've talked about like this, is this defense too vanilla? Is he getting creative enough? Is he throwing the right looks at people? I mean, this tells me that he's doing something very much new, very much different. And is this just because of the first couple of teams that we're playing or is this, is this a permanent thing? And I, I'm, I'm hoping that what we're going to see here is, uh, some, some very, very creative things. Uh, and they've just found ways to put the best players on the defense on the field at the same yeah. time. That's kind of what it feels like. Well, and I think the five linebackers that are listed, right? 
the Jack, the yep. Mike, the Rover, the Flash, and the Cinco. Which, by the way, we used to call when my uh, fifth child and only son was born, when uh, before he was born, we used to call him Cinco. So he's got a position made for him um, at BYU. The problem is he's going to be 5'8", 100 pounds when he graduates from high school, so probably <laughs> not. Um, anyway... Um, you look at that, and I'm going to tell you this. I think those five guys are on the field together, or those five positions are on the field together a lot in those first two games. I think you Absolutely. will see a 4-5-2 a uh, type of look a lot. Um, yes. I mean, think about this for a minute. You're, 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 you're the leading receiver, okay? Um, okay, or I don't know if he was their leading receiver, but... He might be the leading returning receiver for Navy. 18 catches and 380 yards last year. Yeah. But yeah. they're – right, right? But yeah, their quarterback yeah. who's now gone um, – well, no, their, their leading back who's now gone ran for 2,017 yards. He's quarterback. Right? So, I mean, that's what you – that's what you're up against here. You don't well, – you, you need five linebackers for this. So, so here's the thing. Do you want Wilgar, Ayu – Kafusi, Peely, and Thule all on the field at the same time? The answer in these games is yes, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a loud yes. Now, and the thing is, your strong safety, Troy Warner, is a guy that I think is one of the best coverage, one-on-one coverage guys we have. And Zane Anderson is a... The other part is, you, Zane Anderson's a linebacker in a lot of ways. And so you're going to have, in theory, six linebackers on the field. Um, the thing that's interesting to me is the four down linemen, which is a change from last year. And I think will be, for most fans, a welcome change. Again, I don't think the three down linemen was our problem last year. I think I think you can be successful with a 3-4 or with a 4-3, I, I, right? There's lots of examples of both defenses being dominant. To your point, this is not going to, it does not look like it'll be vanilla. Now, if we end up, and we're not going to rush three and drop eight against Navy, right? So I don't think anybody has to worry about that, at least in game. No, I mean, every, I mean, and this gets, oh, this gets way overstated, right? Is that the key defensively against a team like Navy is sound assignment football. And if everybody can just focus in on their their role and what they're doing and trust their teammates to take care of their own business, that's how you're successful against a team like this. Yeah, for sure. It's when they're able to pull you off of your assignment or have some success somewhere that causes you to start to feel like somebody else is not going to be able to fill their assignment. And then you've got you know some of these really good players who feel like they've got to kind of they in the back of their mind they're trying to back up what somebody else is doing and take care of their to take care of their own job. Yeah. That's when a team like Navy gets starts to have some real success defensively. That's what you have to prevent from happening. Yep. Yeah. And every kid on that team is disciplined. I shouldn't call them kids. They're men, right? In both the cases of BYU and Navy. Every man on Navy is disciplined. So you have to equal that discipline. Right? It does not mean discipline does not win, right? In the end, it's a combination of a lot of things. But to your point, it it really uh, discipline can kill you if you're not disciplined, though, uh, on the defensive side. So Eric, that's yeah, at athletically man to man, 
in those individual assignments, I think we got the players to to, oh, yeah, to do for this. Sure. For sure. You, that was always the case when we played Air Force every year. Overall, you, you have them beat on athleticism. You had them beat on on that. The question is, could you overcome their discipline with your own? And as we found out with Air Force on their best years, it was really hard to do that. And Navy, will they be as good as they were last year? I don't know, but I would bet on it. I would not bet on them being the 2018 version. If I'm going yeah, to this not- game, I'm assuming they're the 2019 version. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, defensively, we already talked about this. They hardly lost anybody. Offensively, they lost some, you know, more key type of players. Sure. But I think yeah. you got to assume that these other guys are going to be just as good. Yeah. So Eric, that's at Eric or Eric, has a few uh, questions for us about this game. He says, "I live an hour from Annapolis, but no fans are allowed at the game, and it's at 8 p.m. Am I a quitter if I don't go tailgate outside the academy, not knowing if there's an outdoor bar at which to watch the game?" Or can I have your blessing to watch it in D.C. instead? Matt, I don't know that Eric needs our blessing, but he has it from me. Does he have it from you? I am perfectly comfortable with Eric watching the game from D.C. instead. Now, it's not worth taking the risk yeah, and, that you get stuck somewhere without a place to watch the game. Now, if this I, was, I don't even know if they're going to allow you to tailgate outside the academy. They're like, not. You know, I've, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to think about where you would physically go to do it, and will there be other BYU fans there to do it with you? I think you just stay home, Eric. Yeah, I'm with I'm with you. If this was a normal year and you said, yeah, I don't want to drive down to Annapolis to the game, I would have a different opinion of you, Eric. But I don't think you would in that case. Uh, the BYU line, he says, opened at BYU plus two, which basically means BYU to lose, right? And it's today yep. at BYU minus two. It's actually the last one I just saw was one and a half. So I don't know if it shifted back or if Eric and I are looking at different lines. He says, if gambling were legal in D.C., it is kind kind of like if you watched Rated R movies. I see what you did there, Eric. I right. might have... That, so it's something he doesn't do. That's right. I might have got it at BYU plus one, in theory. So maybe he did, in just, theory. Just like Last of the Mohicans could be if I had seen it, one of my favorite movies of all time. For example. These are just complimentary examples with Eric. He says, questions. Why is the line move four points, which is a big move? And two, which side do you take at the at BYU minus two over Navy? So Matt, we'll get to the second question here in a second. Why, why the big move on the Navy-BYU line? I'm not sure. Um, Hype. You know, I... It, it, what I mean, yeah, I guess it is just hype, right? But what you're, but I believe that what you're seeing here, when you look at a game that uh, that swings inside of this particular range and a range of this size, um, this is a nobody knows, and it sure. people feel like this will be a very competitive game, and nobody's really quite sure what's going to happen. That's what this is telling you. Yeah, yeah, that that is what this is telling you, and you know, we talked about home field advantage way at the beginning, like an hour ago in this podcast. Uh, and there is no home field advantage in theory, right? Or v- not what it was. Is it? Is that part of what the gamblers are thinking as they as they moved on this? Uh, I don't know. So Matt, the line. No, I is- think what I wonder if what happened is the line ch- adjusts because people look at it and BYU's got some some brand recognition as people are working their way down their cards for the week. And BYU's got some brand recognition. They think, oh, well, BYU, like, they ought to be able to take Navy. Like, 
Yeah, I'll take. Four yeah, points, I'm gonna take though? them in this one. Four points. I I, don't I, know. I hear you. I, th- that's a long way to move for brand recognition for a team that, quite frankly, has been mediocre the last three or four years. And Navy just Against came a off team a really that good season. Was like top twenty last year, and with this huge season. Now here, I got right. They, I, they graduated some key players. I get all that, right? But I, I, I just see that line move a lot, and it does make me go. I, I just people, and maybe it's maybe what you said is totally true. It's all just name recognition. Oh, BYU opening game, they'll take these guys. I, I like them because what you're really saying when you take BYU plus two is you think they're going to win, right? It's not BYU plus seven where you think, well, they're going to lose, but it's just going to be closer. You're basically betting on BYU to win. Yeah, this becomes a win-loss bet. I mean, the spread is kind of irrelevant. Well, no, it is irrelevant. It's Um, not completely irrelevant because there are one-point games out there, right? But but yes, you're you're betting that they win. You know, that, and that's the thing I don't get. Okay, so BYU minus two over Navy, who you got? I'm taking, so you're asking me, I'm, oh, you're asking me what I would, do I take that bet? Yeah, yes. I take yeah, I'm taking BYU. I'm not. So your final prediction for a score for Monday's contest? Uh, I'm going to say BYU 24, Navy 21. I'm going to say Navy 28, BYU 25. I hope I'm wrong. I think in the end, it really comes down to... I think our defense is going to give up some yards and some points. I think it really comes down sure. to the turnovers and can we make a couple of really big plays on the offense. Well, and one of the things that I that I had here to, to mention that I haven't yet that I that I would like to add to kind of caveat my pick... No, you can't. Red zone, red zone execution. Yes. Terrible last we have year. to score. We have to score in the red zone. If we, if we... If, if we can't get if we can't come out of the red zone with touchdowns, then we won't win this game and we'll struggle the next we'll struggle in the next game. Well it's ah uh, I feel very differently about Navy. About Army. Uh, Army's not nearly as Got good it. of a team as Navy. Yeah, but you I don't We're know. gonna beat them by two touchdowns. I'm not worried about Army. I'm very worried about Navy. Navy was a good, very good team last year, way better than we were last year, and Yes, they've graduated some players, and they may not be nearly as good as they were last year. Uh, I just, at this point, look at that and go, they might be. Um, uh, you know, it, it's it's hard for me to project BYU winning this game easily. For example, right? Oh yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't know that anybody feels that way, except for was it Blaine Fowler the other day I think so. on BYU Sports Nation. I mean, I don't know that anybody else feels like BYU. This is a game BYU wins easily. This is a good team. Yeah, this is a good team. So you have and Navy it's a season winning. Open. Yikes! I have Navy losing. Uh, Navy winning. You have BYU winning. Uh, let's right. go down the schedule and predict each of the games. Here we go. Oh, you ready? See, I'm I'm like heavily blue goggled right now. Probably right, shouldn't be good. doing this, but let's yeah, go. You should. I'm wearing my BYU Sports Nation blue goggle T-shirt for heaven's sakes, and I already picked BYU to lose their opener. All right. Army, who you got? BYU. BYU. Uh, Troy, who you got? BYU. BYU. All right. Uh, University of Texas, San Antonio. 
BYU. It is San Antonio, right? UTSA. Yeah, it is. The Roadrunners. Uh, Houston. Taking the Cougars. Oh, the you're, Houston. You're, you're a ninny. They're not any good. Dude, I'm taking. Not, I'm taking. Nope, look at the odds. I'm just. I'm just going with the odds on this. Yeah, they're wrong. The odds are wrong. I'm taking. I'm taking okay. the right Cougars. Texas State. The answer is BYU. Everything else is wrong. Uh, Western Kentucky. <laughs> Come on. BYU and and we need to place bets on. What happens if there's some type of uh, shenanigans with the mascots at want, this game? I want like a, just a brawl between the two of them. I mean, they're I like they're wearing like masks. The where out there. It's it's Halloween night, right? Yeah. And yeah. they recreate the stunt where Cosmo's head fell off. Except <laughs> somebody put this on Twitter. They recreate the stunt. Cosmo's head comes flying off, and the it's the person stands up to reveal it's been it's Tom Homo. That that would be that'd be the fun. greatest that'd be the that'd greatest be of all of his Halloween stunts. So so here's the thing, I think Western Kentucky is our second toughest game of the season. I still behind think Navy. BYU. Yeah, behind Navy, I, I still think Reason. BYU wins. Okay, uh, but I don't. I think Western Kentucky. They were a decent team last year. Yeah, I just I feel like that I, I if you asked me who the second toughest team that we were going to play this season, I, I would actually say the University of Houston. I yeah, think the toughest team will play is Navy. But you're just going by name recognition. Houston wasn't any good last year. Why are they better this year? Everyone keeps we'll saying they're a second that. best we'll team. We'll talk about it when we get to the Houston preview. Yeah, they're they're not. The answer I don't is want to they're spoil not. My- the 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 answer is they're much closer to Troy than they are to Navy. That's the answer. Houston's not particularly great. Um, now we'll see because yeah. we'll have data from this year before that game. But I, we're both predicting seven wins. The loss is different. Uh, that is blue goggle because I'm assuming you're predicting North Alabama win. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I don't mean to put words in your mouth. Oh, but I certainly am. Okay. So we're both predicting seven wins, which means bowl game. Here we come. Here's the thing. You can lose two of those games, go 6-2, and two, and still get into a bowl game. And quite frankly, I think if we won five games, we'd probably also get into a bowl game. Um, Tom Homo was asked by multiple people this week whether there's a possibility to add games in the middle of the season. Tom Homo responded on Twitter because he's great. And he said basically, yes, because of the way the schedule is lined up, if some games get canceled early enough that there might be some teams that are looking to fill out their schedule later in the season. Like you and I talked about last week, if it's like the week of, three days before, uh, there's probably not a good probability of that. But if some team gets quarantined or, heck, just shuts the season down, right? Or something crazy, there could be opportunities for BYU. So Matt... Percent chance that BYU gets a ninth game? 30%? I was going to say 35. I was going to say originally like 20. Uh, I don't know if that's high or low. This is so weird, right? What uh, what what I feel like is that Tom has Tom Homo has had I say Tom like I'm like I yeah, know like him you personally. Guys are buddies. I have yeah, yeah. I did I did run into him on the streets of New Orleans. Well, you've left me- multiple messages on his answering machine as we've covered here. I, in the- I will say this: I were, we were coming out of wherever 
uh, where were we coming out of? Oh, we had tried to go to, uh, we were killing time before the game and it was me and my son. We walked out of a restaurant and a, I don't know if it was an Uber or somebody had given a ride somewhere, but he got out of his car a couple blocks from the stadium and started walking towards the hotel. And uh, I saw him and I said, go Cougs. And we were all decked out in BYU gear. And he just, he looked at it and said, let's go, let's go Cougs, baby, let's go. And then walked down the street. So basically we're on a first name basis. Yeah. And when I look at what he tweeted out, what that tells me is he's had some conversations with somebody either somebody at a conference or somebody at some school or whatever, he's had some conversations that lead him to believe that there is a scenario where another game pops up. He's not just making this up. Yeah. The bad thing for us, quite frankly, is our season barring that kind of ends in October, right? Uh, you've got the North Alabama game in November. It's going like to be almost weird. a month later. Almost, it's almost a know, month later. Yeah. It's three weeks later. It's not, it's not a great scenario for BYU. It would be really good if somehow they could get another game in November, right? Um, you know, you get four weeks in a row with football. All I can say is this. I am stoked that it appears, if nothing else, we're going to get at least one BYU game in, right? I, I think at this point, we're recording this on Tuesday night. It, everything's looking good. And if there's three programs that probably are disciplined enough to not have a huge breakout of COVID and follow the rules that they've been given. I have to feel like BYU, Navy, and Army are like in the top five of, the, of that group, right? <laughs> like if there's if there's five schools that aren't likely to have a big breakout, I mean, it's not, it's probably Bama too, right? Like, do you want to be the guy that walks into Saban's office and says, I, I was at a party and I now got 10 of our guys infected do you want to be that guy well, that goes into you won't him? even get to go to his office with that news yeah so I, i'm just saying right? so i yeah i don't want to be that guy and at the opposite end of this spectrum is uh florida right or maybe miami but but i'm just saying i i think there's a very good chance we get those first three games in for sure the problem for us is going to be if somebody falls in the middle, can we move them someplace else on the schedule if they have to like cancel that week? Uh, or do you just lose the game? Which we would just don't know, right? It's so hard to predict that stuff right, right. now. Right. All right. Yeah, well, fine. that's all we got. We previewed a season. We previewed a game. Uh, we've talked about a lot of stuff today. So that's fantastic. Next week, we're going to be talking about the results of an actual BYU football game. This is crazy. We're going to watch a game. That, We're going to watch a game. That wasn't even scheduled a month ago. I've watched so much high school football on TV. I cannot wait for this game Heck, to happen. You and I watched an FCS game. We did. Um, we sure did. So, I mean, and I've watched way more NBA playoffs this year than I have in previous years. And condolences to all the Jazz fans. I'm sorry. I really um, thought I was going to get into the NBA this year because of the timing and there wasn't much else to watch, and it just has not happened What about me. the NHL? Have you watched hockey? It's I have watched some, some hockey. Good, there's, it's been some good. The Bruins, not so much, but uh, the Bruins were doomed as soon as Tuka Rask said he was out. I really wish he could have made that decision before they went into the bubble. But again, I never... Yeah, that would have been nice. I never really... I, I'm very cautious to criticize someone for making a decision they think's best for their family. You know what I mean? Like, 
it, it makes me feel... And, those are t- and it's a tough decision to make, and I can see why you wait to make that decision to the last possible moment, right? Um, yeah, you know, that's, mean, that's just a hard situation. Some of his situation. teammates may not feel the same. Uh, no, I'm I, sure they don't. Uh, they sure were, they don't. before the hiatus, they were the best team in hockey. Um, you know, But again, I don't know what that means, because the best team in hockey were, rarely was the Stanley Cup anyway. Because uh, the playoffs are so wacky, so I, you know, I don't know if that really meant anything. Anyway, but we will be back next week. Are we going to do a halftime show? Do you want to do a halftime show on Facebook? Uh, yeah. Wow, are we going to do that again? We're doing yeah. that. Yeah, let's do a halftime show. All right, we're on doing Facebook. a halftime Go show. Facebook dot com slash rise and shout at halftime, and Matt and I will be there to talk about the first half of the BYU Navy game. All right, it's settled. All right, there it is. That's there it happened. is. There it is. It happened right here on uh, live and not really live at all. And and on Google Podcasts like it has forever. I mean, we've been on Google Podcasts forever, man. I don't know what you were talking about last week. Well, thanks, everybody, for downloading and listening. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, and we will catch you next time. Go Cougars!